Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. From AccuWeather.com, this is Everything Under the Sun, our podcast that offers in-depth stories and discussion about topics in weather and climate, especially relating them to how you live your everyday life. We parse our episodes into series with several episodes in a row helping you navigate through various seasons or subjects. And this past week, we entered into meteorological winter. The three coldest months are upon us here in the Northern Hemisphere. And when it comes to challenges of dealing with cold and stormy weather that can produce snow, ice, and strong winds, we know you need help navigating through these tough times. Certainly parts of the Great Lakes and the Northeast dealt with the first big winter storm of the season. Places like uh, Detroit and Cleveland and into the Northeast got clobbered with snow and then rain and wind on the eastern seaboard side. And as we look at another coastal system really taking shape to be approaching this coming weekend and giving some problems with rain, wind, possibly some snow in the northeast of New England, we thought we'd use the expertise of our chief long-range forecaster, Paul Pastelock, to do two things. Talk about this upcoming weekend and beyond, and also kind of give us an update on the winter forecast as we enter meteorological winter. And then before that, in our first race of focus segment, we've been doing this now as we've been kind of changing seasons and series, welcoming back one of the friends of this program who we relied on in the early stages of the COVID series. And then we've checked in on as we've gone from season to season. Clinical and licensed psychologist Dr. E. Eric Fisher will join us to talk about what some, including our president-elect Joe Biden, have called what could be a long, dark winter how we navigate that, dealing with the weather challenges, dealing with the challenges of celebrating holidays, dealing with the challenges of still being cooped up in many places because of COVID. Dr. E will be by to talk to us about that. Friends, it may be cold, it may be windy, it may have bad weather, but winter is a season we need to embrace and get through, and we'll do it now as it's time to talk about everything under the sun. For some, the change of seasons is a welcome diversion to having the same kind of weather and climate day after day. There are people that just think that kind of weather is mundane. And then for others of us, we get a little excited. I know I do. I enjoy different aspects of the season. I like planting the garden stuff in the spring. I like enjoying it in the summer, going to the beach. I do like a fall and its beauty and its change. And I do like building a snowman every once in a while. But for more than 3 million people, that seasonal change isn't as easy to take. Seasonal affective disorder affects people's situation and it includes things like fatigue, depression, hopelessness, social withdrawal, and certainly this winter with everything that's been going on with some of us kind of cooped up for more than nine months, this seasonal affective disorder and other things are going to maybe make this winter hard to take. Our friend Dr. Eric Fisher is a licensed psychologist. He's become a trusted and valued friend and member of the Everything Under the Sun family. He's been um, on uh, many of the major cable networks for years. He's written books. He's certainly someone who 
has been with us since our initial COVID series, and we've checked in with him frequently. Here we are on the cusp of winter and the holidays bearing down on us, these times of joy and certainly the sadness and fear and uncertainty of COVID. We knew it was a good time to bring Dr. E back onto everything under the sun. Dr. E, it's been a while, and uh, we're glad to have you back on the program. Uh, My friend, how are you doing? How are you and the family and everything going uh, in your life right now? I am good. We have survived this whole period. A little stress here and there, but uh, I can't wait till uh, we're heading to Cabo for Christmas. So desert on the ocean, as I call it. So sunny days, lots of sunshine, nice warm weather. It'll be good. Joel and I were talking about uh, going to Puerto Rico. In fact, we were in pretty good planning stages to do that. Now we've decided not to, and mostly because uh, Joel's parents are are uh, a little more seasoned. <laughs> so we we uh, we they've been safe, and we want to the responsibility of helping keep them safe and stuff. So I mean, these are all things that are playing into this time, and got so many things. And what we usually do with Doctor E, if you haven't been with us in one of our sessions here. You know, Dr. E is a really good person in terms of taking what's going on and then also kind of looking at how we kind of sense and look at the weather scenario and how that plays into our mood and all the things that are going on, not only existentially, but also in the mood and the season change. And, and, you know, I was thinking tonight, right before we did this uh, interview, um, I ordered something uh, through the mail that wasn't sure how much joy it would give me, but as I set it up tonight, it gave me a lot of joy. And it's um, as a youngster, I had uh, very fond memories of um, the Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer TV show. Absolutely. Big, big thing in my family to get around the TV as it was in my generation here at the mid-50s in my life. Uh, for us youngsters, that was the thing. And, and you know, whereas you can see anything at the drop of a hat right now, that was a special night. You know, it was a one-nighter. You missed it, and you didn't see it till next year. And it was... Uh, pretty amazing event so i got the first piece it's uh it's santa and rudolph and rudolph's nose kind of blinks on and off and you know i set that in there and i and and i'll probably post a picture online of this it just it i don't know for a moment it just it washed away all of the all of the pain and all of the stuff and it's the kinds of things that dr e i'm trying to find more and more Mm -hmm. Right. I'm trying to find more and more in all of this uh, strife of our lives right now. These little moments where I'm appreciating the things in life that are good, the things in life that, uh, you know, kind of got me to where I am and have kept me going even in trying times. And, And if I can find positives in all of this stuff, I'm feeling like I've got little victories, even when sometimes the losses mount up, right? Remember, we've talked a lot about Zen cones through our time. And I always look at that, you know, that cone make medicine from suffering. You know, we talked about that before and I'll bring it up again here because it is our attitudes that we have, you know, having the attitude of gratitude. And I've been talking a lot of people about perception and perspective are everything. And if anything, you know, we can appreciate our lives of abundance that we really do have here in our country, um, that many other countries don't have the things we have. And we've experienced a, you know, nine months, 10 months without, and that's not a bad thing. It's, it's different. 
it's not the new normal, it's the current normal. And yes, you, you bring up old memories and the memories that, that remind us of, of warm things and happy things and our fun Christmases. And, and sometimes we do that. And when we do that, then we can also look to create more with less, that this might be a year that we create more with less, that we look to the people we're connected to, that we look to sharing our Christmas stories. One of my ideas uh, for our Zoom, for our Christmas family gathering is to have a Zoom Christmas. And every, we go around all the family members that join and we each talk about our favorite Christmas memory. And the whole idea of that was so that we don't get in the trivialities today, but we remember the things that brought us together and we hear the stories of the next generation. And then the next, the generation that is the next generation, we know that they know our stories. So they kind of remember, you know, what, what helped make us who we are. And that's what we have to remember is not what, not what is affecting us so much now that we don't like, but what are the things that help us become who we are? And one of the struggles is, I mean, this is a struggle time anyway, for some, I mean, as we're in the heart of holiday season, and uh, for some who uh, in the past maybe were disconnected because, uh, you know, they couldn't get back home or whatever. And now that disconnect may be even, you know, more distinct and more real. And it's been going on for so long. I mean, I know folks that haven't actually physically hugged their parents now for eight, nine months. I mean, it's just been such the concern. It's been uh, 14 for me. Well, yeah. And, and uh, Joelle and I, with canceling this trip to Puerto Rico, and it's going to be now two years be- uh, since we've actually been able to see his parents and, and hug them. So, I mean, those are the kinds of things. And, and then that goes into the frustration as we talked about the last time you and I talked about this, this moving target that keeps getting moved forward in terms of return to normalcy. So, I mean, hand in hand with that and and what you said, you you were talking about bringing up memories of older events. One thing that I think I'm getting a little tired of is too, is sometimes though trying to take an event and recreate it so perfectly to what it would be like in normal times that it's gotten to be a fakeness. Do you know what I'm saying? Do you you understand? And and I'm getting a little tired of almost fake events. I'd almost rather not do something this year and then use that time to appreciate it when it does come back the following year to appreciate it more than try to go through something in in kind of a fake manner. Does that make sense? I think there's a frustration I feel building with people in terms of not doing things or or trying to recreate something that really isn't there. Yeah. And I, you know, I, I think, you know, as as we're watching a lot of football, college football, professional football, there are no people in the crowds they are playing fake crowd noise, you know, so it, it recreates that ambiance. There is an artificial nature to it. And I'd almost rather hear the sounds, just the sounds of the players have, have, you know, have that mic up and hear that just raw sound of competition and that, that we don't hear rather than have to have something that's supposed to, yeah, bring us back to what we're used to. Right. Although you might need a delay if you really had some players <laughs> You're right. on the field, you know, I mean, it might not be, you could have the, uh, the PG channel and then maybe the, uh, the uh, other channel for, for the adults in the room. But no, I know what you're saying. I mean, we're very fortunate to have some talented people who, when we've done it, we I think it, it's it's translated where it's actually kind of sounded real in terms of the the increase and and I've wanted and we wanted to keep it sounding real for the players inside the stadium, but it's been awfully hard to do what I normally do without 
the fans to react to. So no, I, yeah, and I think that's what a lot of people are at. How do we react to this time? We want things to be the way we were and the way they were, and they aren't, you know. And it's that process of adapting to change. And how do we adapt to that change? And what do we do in those situations? Because humans like, we like consistency and we like to, you know, know what's coming. That helps bring us calmness. And in that, we often want to assert control over things that we really don't have control over. There's so much emotional stress going on these days. And I think that stress is over, is really chipping away. It's chipping away at a lot of people. And that's where, we're, where I'm seeing a lot of people, more more people with anxiety and there's depression, you know, more symptoms of depression cropping up. And um, to be aware of those things and their impact on us on a long-term basis is important. That means higher stress hormones. How do stress hormones affect our heart and can affect, um, you know, our, our immunity, immune systems and things. Right. So we just want to be aware of these things. So finding those, those wins that we can have in the day to day and finding things that help, you know, help us remember and feel good things. I think those are important as well as the mindfulness for the things that have gratitude for now. And one of the things is to really, I mean, I think we spend so much time in in some ways worrying and caring about others, we neglect ourselves. And we really have to take that inventory first because I'm always reminded about that statement that we take for granted when we used to be able to fly around more. And, you know, and they talk about when the mask comes down, you know, put the mask on yourself first and then help other people. I mean, it seems like a selfish thing to do, but in that moment, the survival for you, if you're going to need, if you're going to help people, you got to survive first. And so you need to somehow take care of yourself enough to be able then to help people. And so I think I'm seeing a lot of that now where people are just giving, 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 doing, doing, doing for other people. And then they collapse in on themselves. I've seen that a few times. Uh, So a good thing to try to make sure you're self-evaluating, but also I think I'm less impeded now to tell somebody that I'm concerned about them because I think it's important now more than ever if you see something about somebody that concerns you to have an honest conversation with them about them. If you love them and they truly love you, there are some times where you need to have that conversation. And in this holiday season, it may come up a little bit more so than it did maybe a couple of months ago. Absolutely. And I think especially for people who are in healthcare. Um, they're definitely having to take care of themselves. And often they're not able to, especially if we were getting overrun and overloaded, even in my job as a psychologist, you know, I'm, I've, I've always let people know, you know, and they say, how do you do your job and not get eaten up by it? And I always tell people, it's not, it's not my journey. Other people's journey is not my journey. And if I put myself in their place and take on their pain or take on their stressors, I'm no good to anyone. So I think even with our kids, you know, sometimes parents want to take on their kids' stressors and sometimes spouses want to take on their their spouse's pressures. And I just say, you know, the best thing you can do is take care of yourself and support them, be there for them to listen. And if they need extra help that you can provide, if they need therapy, then get them some therapy. You don't have to be the therapist. My daughter's very good at letting me know, dad, you're not my therapist. I'm like, you're right. I'm your dad, you know, and I want you to also benefit from my experience, but she's even good at putting those boundaries in place. And I think boundaries 
are something that we all really need to be aware of at these times, not to put up walls between people, but to know where we begin and other people begin and where we end and other people end so that we don't get so enmeshed and, and overwhelmed in those situations. And we're taking care, better care of ourselves. You know, I talked at the top of the show about how, uh, you know, we're, we entered meteorological winter uh, just this week here with entering the, the first days of December. We've been in solar winter. In other words, uh, here in the Northern Hemisphere, the least amount of sunshine, the lowest sun angle, the three months of that. I mean, we're in the heart of that. It's just the darkest days of the year. You know, mm -hmm. our president-elect even said we were one of the darkest winters possible um, with that doom and the gloom and all the bad things that are kind of lurking out there. Again, as we go into this holiday season, how do you help uh, and what are some things that you want uh, folks to think about, not only for themselves, but also the younger ones? This is a tough time for them because they... You know, if they're in those five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten years, they've had a couple of Christmases where they remember what it was like. And this is maybe not going to be like anything they ever did. So just some things there as we get into these darker days that in some ways have a lot of joy, but then in some ways have a lot of pain. You know, first thing to think of is, yes, as you get lower levels of sunlight, you have to be aware of things like seasonal affective disorder. So that that is a very real phenomena that often happens at higher uh, levels of latitude closer to the uh, closer to Alaska and, and up into Canada and things. There are lower levels of that here. However, people are spending a lot more time indoors, so they're not getting that sun exposure. Anyway, having right, a, right. in having a good, you know, there are certain lights that you can buy that you know look for on Amazon or other places that actually emit those rays of those UV rays or the rays that are good for our body to absorb that substitute for sunlight. The other thing is, is for Christmas, we all want to think as Christmas is a happy, joyous, fun time, but really for I would say more people than not, it's not as great as it's cracked up to be. And especially when you have big crowds, it can be super stressful. How many times do we hear that about how big a pain the holidays in and all the stresses it causes? So in some ways, there may be less stress in that regard this year. Yeah. And, and just so that's what I'm saying is, is we have to look at what expectations society puts on us, what expectations history has put on us what expectations other people may put on us and even what you're not going anywhere for Christmas. Are you this or, or what you're going here and here for Christmas? You know, yeah, this is my choice. I'm going to do that. So I think we need to be aware of, like I said, to find out where our comfort level and boundaries are to know that, you know, again, in this time, this is one Christmas and it's a Christmas that we may remember. So how can we make it unique? How can we make it special? How can we, like I said, like I'm doing, do that Zoom Christmas and have something be fun around it? Have a have a, a Zoom New Year's and, and everybody toast on, you know, a, a New Year's and find connections even of places you haven't reached out to in a while and contact people you haven't reached out in a while and say, hey, this is an opportunity for us to spend Christmas together. And, and we can talk about, you know, whatever, you know, whatever we're going to talk about. So have the opportunity to create something unique and different so that you can call back on this and say, wow, what a bummer this Christmas was. Rather than that, say, this is a really innovative thing we did this year, and it made the most out of difficult situation. One of the things early on when we talked to Dr. E, as when we were coming to the end of the interview, our innovation was to uh, get his uh, little deck of cards there, Zen cones, right? Uh -huh. and, and, and what he does now, folks, is he's going to just pull one 
Ow. I don't have my cards today. You don't? But I have, e. I have one. I have, yeah. I have one in mind. Okay. okay. All right. So see, this is innovative. We've never yeah. done it this way. You make do with what you have, right? Any, that's exactly right. And I, I, I do those so many times that I have a lot of them stuck in my head. So the one, the one I want to raise today is with great love comes great understanding. With great love comes great understanding. And that's a term I use a lot when I'm working with healing with people is that they often get, we get caught in our hate. We get caught in our anger. We get caught in our ideas that we understand really what's going on. But it's from a perspective of, of a darker feeling. It's from a perspective of a protective emotion. Anger, rage, hatred, arrogance, flippancy, defiance, sarcasm are all protective emotions. That's what they do. So our understanding of that situation is going to be limited. It's not going to be through the eyes of others. It's going to be through our eyes. And it's not through the ours, our complete eyes of understanding. It's through the eyes of that perspective of that protective emotion. So when we can learn to love the people around us, when we can learn to love ourselves, when we can learn to love the situations that are beyond our control, but see that we can make medicine from suffering, as I said, we can find the gift in anything. And that's often in, in tragedy, we find our perseverance. We find our strength. We find our friends. We find what things make us and help us be resilient. So in this time, that's what I'd ask everybody to look for, no matter where you're at after this election, no matter where you're at with your family, no matter where you're at with feeling like your Christmas has been stolen from you by this virus, look to see how you can learn to love yourself, to love your family, to love your neighbor, and see how you can likely understand more about yourself and life by seeing what brings us together rather than what tears us apart. And isn't that really what Christmas is all about? Eric, we love spending time with you. We should do it more often. Thanks for, uh, thanks for uh, being with us here on our kickoff to winter. Good luck uh, to you and the family as uh, we go through this holiday period, and we will talk again soon. And the same to you as well. Take care. Happy holidays. Merry Christmas, everyone. If you'd like to hear more from Dr. E, well, our AccuWeather Network uses him with our daily doses of sunshine. That's great stuff. You can check that out at AccuWeather.com. And you can also check out his website. It's D-R-E presents dr e presents is the website and his twitter handle dre just like shorthand for dr e at dre on twitter and you can uh, get in touch with uh, dr e eric fisher we uh, really appreciate the time we uh, will try to check in with him a little bit uh, later on in the winter and see how things are going and maybe answer some of your questions. If you have a question for Dr. E, you can email us at accuweather.podcast at accuweather.com and we'll pass that along for his next visit. We need to take a look at the weather, both in the short term and especially the long term. Here on this opening of our winter series Paul Pastelock, our long-range forecaster, will talk about this brewing storm along the eastern seaboard this weekend and what is the latest update on this winter as we head through. This is Everything Under the Sun from AccuWeather.com. Listen to Weather Insider every weekday for a discussion on trending weather news with me, Bernie Reno, and Evan Myers. You'll get detailed insight into major weather events and learn the why behind the weather. Just subscribe to Weather Insider on your favorite podcast platforms today. 
Welcome back to Everything Under the Sun as we kick off our winter series, helping you get through these winter months with advice for your lives and words to the wise when it comes to the weather each week. And since this weekend marks the first of meteorological winter and with an interesting storm brewing up along the eastern seaboard, we thought we'd uh, accomplish two tasks in one fell swoop here as we welcome in our senior meteorologist and chief long-range forecaster, Paul Pastelock, to help us on both counts. Paul, it's good to talk to you here as we kick off the winter series. Let's go back a little bit in, in this past week. I mean, it had one of the first big winter cutter storms that went right up into the Great Lakes, clobbered uh, places. You know, Detroit was kind of on the cusp of the clobbering, clobbering really in Ontario down to Cleveland, Ohio got clobbered and then up into northwestern Pennsylvania. And then that storm just kept on giving us wind and, and, and problems, finally calmed down. But here comes another storm, a little circulation here as we go through this week. Uh, that's going to come up along the eastern seaboard. And it's scary looking, Paul, because as you and I have talked in these sessions, a lot of these uh, low pressures, no matter what the season now, want to just try to spin up, get strong and bomb out, become a nor'easter. And that would create all kinds of problems here in this first week of December. Yeah, you know, exactly. And 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 just to, you know, you guys uh, try to, you guys mostly look in the, you know, the three to seven day range when you're on the radio and doing televisions. That's what you mostly focus on. Of course, I'm looking way out. And this was televised basically back about a week and a half, almost two weeks ago, that there'd be a double hit system type of thing going on this week. And the first system very close very close. Uh, it looked like Chicago from far out would get it hit. It did. Yeah, it looked like Chicago would be and then over to Detroit. That's right where the storm went. And then it kind of inside slid a little bit more yeah. farther, closer to the East Coast. Yeah, the problem I think the models are having is that they there's so many upper level features all over the map. They don't know how to handle them all. You know, they're having a hard time trying to put the puzzles together, the pieces together of the puzzle. And so they're having a difficult time there. And, and each run keeps coming in different, especially with this system this weekend. We've seen it way north. We've seen it way south. Now we're seeing it in between. I guess that was the best way to go, right? Right, so. right. <laughs> well, persistence sometimes in kind of, a, you know, a lot of times, you know, out past three days, folks, you have to understand we're kind of picking and choosing. And this gets where it gets dicey, which model you like best, right? If you favor the euro, but then if you start favoring the euro down one path, that could lead you in a path that takes you different ways than you really need to be. So it's kind of that dance till we get closer. But, but one thing I think we can say, is uh, these things are are going to happen. There's going to be a lot of rain initially. It's going to be along the coast. It's going to start Friday. It's going to ramp up Saturday. And Saturday morning for New York City to early Saturday afternoon, probably the worst rain. That then transfers up to Boston later in the day Saturday. In New York, to me, the, the timing of this as we record this is late Saturday, Saturday afternoon, whether that uh, wraps around enough cold air to get some snow into uh, at least the suburbs north and west. I mean, it's uh, is it to 84? Is it to 287? Is it close to the city where there's a little wraparound? The big problems, I think, are going to be interior parts of New England. And that's going to be a real interesting forecast as we go Saturday and especially Sunday. How much does this thing bomb out or intensify and slow down and turn up into New England? Those are possibilities. If it does that, we've got a monster. Right. If it doesn't and it slides more, then yeah. it's it's a storm that we can deal with and has some problems, but isn't the big one. Yeah. The concern to me is that 
to see these kind of storms this early and to see the way the water temperature anomalies have been running uh, this fall along the Atlantic seaboard, how cold depth-wise can we get that column and have enough moisture left on the backside to get it to snow to the 95 corridor? It just is going to be very difficult. There's just going to be too much marine influence, I think. And I like the wind direction. I think it's a very good wind direction, but it's maybe one of those big, huge cutoffs. I mean, you don't have to go too far inland, then it is all snow, and you're coming down hard. But you're just fighting to get all that cold all the way down uh, the depth of the column uh, because those water temperatures still running. You, if this storm happened, uh, Dean, maybe in January or February, oh right, no problem. Well, I, I, because I'm, because I, then the front side isn't all rain. I mean, there's there's yeah. problems with the front side being more snowy. Right, I, I agree with that. And and then the other thing is, where does it really start that bomb, or where does it really start to deepen? Is it if it waits? more past New York till we get up into New England later Saturday, then you're right. I think it's a narrow corridor that some people just off the coast get hit hard, but then farther inland, well interior parts of New England may miss out. There may be a a very narrow strip where it's they get uh, maybe over a foot. So it's going to be a tricky storm. It's certainly something you're going to want to folks watch. Now, let's let's uh, we'll, we'll come back maybe a little bit and talk about some of the other parts of the country, but then you know, you said now this was looked at when you were looking at the long range, you saw this early period as we enter meteorological winter of these kind of one, two punches to kind of change the pattern. We were all tropical to see yeah. going in. Uh, and then now this week, as we enter meteorological winter, it seems like this is the, the, the flip switcher. What is that switch flipping to here, Paul, as we start out meteorological winter? Well, the switch is, can, I think it's flipping a few times here, because if you look Back here in, in mid-November, we had true La Nina uh, coming on strong. It's at a moderate level right now. We we were flooding rain and snow into the northwest, which you typically see in La Nina. And mild weather was was taking over a lot of the south and southeast. And then all of a sudden, the, the thing that we talked about in our forecast the last time we talked, Dean, is that December was going to be different. It was going to kind of look not so much like La Nina, but other factors were going to come involved, other drivers. And we were going to get the chance of maybe an early season winter weather type pattern and see these storms develop and, and see the cold kind of rush down to the Gulf Coast states a little early. And they did get freezing temperatures in Florida. Yeah. So things are working out the way it's going. It just was a little extreme in the South on the cold, but the storms, the nor'easters, we said, we'd see a few nor'easters and here we go. This one has the potential to try to develop into one um, depending on when it, like you said, Dean, when it does uh, start to intensify. And then there's another uh, little ripple that the 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 uh, models are talking about for behind its heels, uh, uh, th- three or four days later, that comes out of the central plains in the south. Now that one looks like it doesn't connect. It doesn't make that connection with the uh, with the energy and, and kind of uh, ball up and get to into a storm near the coast. That one may slide out more, but this is that's still seven, eight, nine days away. I wouldn't, I would be surprised if we start seeing that one start to take hold and have a chance to come up closer to the coast. Yeah, their modeling it continues to change. I mean, one time you see it cutting up towards uh, you know the Western Ohio Valley. Next time it's it's not connecting and it's it's heading out to sea. So I still give it give it time on that one. I still think there's a front that comes through, cold front around the 11th or 12th stalls. And then a wave comes up along it uh, sometime around 
you know, later on, maybe you're talking something earlier than that, but I, I think even later on, I think there's a bigger system around the 13th or the 15th that comes up from the south to the northeast. It's just a matter of, again, there's a track so far inland that it's mostly rain in the east and more snow this time for Chicago on northward. We'll see. Um, I think there's a, a good possibility that happens because the overall pattern changes a little bit around that time. A um, little more southwest flow in the east will allow that track to be a little farther west, I think. All right. So then then once we get past this kind of volatile December, folks in the east and northeast then should get to more of what a typical La Nina winter is going to look like or, or we expect and kind of talk about that, what you think about for uh, January and February into early March in those areas. Yeah, and I do think that we start to see some changes in uh, like the third week of December before Christmas, and then it tries to go back again to a little colder pattern uh, at the end of December, maybe lingering into the start of January, and then we really start cranking up the La Nina. I think at uh, some point, either week two, week three of this January, we start hitting the northwest hard. We start seeing those storms coming over the top, the south kind of drying out a little bit, seeing some milder temperatures here and there. And then the Northeast, again, we're watching to see the track of those systems. Anytime you see one dipping a little too far south in the Ohio Valley, gets to the middle United States, those water temperatures, boom, we're going to have a big explosion. So, Right. So, yeah. So uh, be careful what we wish for. We may not get the inside sliders or the um, or the clippers but if we get one over the top and it goes down and then comes up along the uh, eastern seaboard then we're talking about uh, coastals uh, and and nor'easters again um pretty intense santa ana event here as we ended the week out west it looks like they're in a pattern here out west paul to continue that right i'm not sure it's as strong next week It's not as cold air driven, it didn't seem to me next week, but it looks like another spell and there could be a few of these rounds here in the next several weeks of Santa Ana problems out in the West. Yeah, our original forecast was to continue that thread all the way through December. Uh, Southern California, Western Arizona, still very dry, uh, not touched at all. Uh, and the systems continue, the highs building up to the north could uh, increase the uh, offshore flow events and bring you these gusty winds. I think there was a gust over 80 miles an hour just the other day that occurred out of this. So these events are ups and downs. Yeah, up and down intensity, but they're still going to be around not only just in December. I wouldn't be surprised that we still deal with some fires in the middle of the winter down there and these occasional wind events that could take place as well. They don't happen often. It's not common, uh, but I think one or two, it's a different situation. It's very, very dry still in the Four Corners region right now, Dean. So anything else as we look at the winter that you, things that we talked about earlier that you want to highlight here as we go forward? I think we did a pretty good job of kind of highlighting what people can expect in this next. And and, and I know it's not the, the, the same travel thoughts people are having, maybe a lot more localized regional travel. But, uh, there, you know, any other thoughts here as we go through the next several weeks pe- people should keep an eye on or an ear or two in terms of their forecast? Well, I think as you get past the midpoint of December, the 15th, 16th, there'll be another switch and change. I think you'll see the focus of colder air uh, back over the central northern plains, um, some surges there, and also a lot of uh, intense weather coming into the northwest. So after a little quieter period, a little lull in the pattern in the northwest, you start getting busy again up there. And then not really getting touched anywhere from central California on southward. It's still warm. And Hopefully, a lot of these fronts stay to the north because we had a really busy hurricane season. We did. A lot of damage along the Gulf Coast, trying to get get things fixed up, cleaned up, you know, work being done. 
would be it'd be nice to get some nice days down across the south. Really and would. the wind hasn't been good, and the and the precip hasn't been good down there. So I think we're going to see some of that, Dean, going forward down there. As we record this later in the day Thursday, it's just nice to have a nice day in the northeast with sun and not much wind, you know, between these storms. So, yeah, I understand that uh, thought process. Paul, it's always good to talk to you. Thanks for your and your team's hard work as we continue to try to keep people ahead of the storm with long-range forecasting from AccuWeather and AccuWeather.com. We will get Paul back on here. I think early January would be a good time to check in with him. I think at that point, we'll get through this very volatile December, and we'll take our aim at the final kind of snow total forecast for the winter as we look at those last few months. And then Paul should be in the early part of January there. Give us an early indication of what the spring forecast looks like. So we'll look forward to talking to Paul Passlock here in a few weeks. I look forward to talking to you over the weekend. I'll be back on the uh, air on Sunday and then into the early part of next week as we deal with this storm along the eastern seaboard. Friends, I can't urge you enough as you hear this throughout the weekend to get the latest information on that storm from our newly redesigned AccuWeather app. In fact, if you're in the New England area, that should be a really good uh, measure in terms of minute cast about terms of intensity of rain and then change over times as we get into Saturday and Sunday. You can also check in with our AccuWeather network our AccuWeather.com website has all the stories and information that you need, and our AccuWeather partners will keep you up to date as well. Coming up on episode number two of our winter series next week, we'll take a look at how you can get your house ready. I know I've been doing some things, including getting the hoses in, making sure uh, things that could freeze up uh, in terms of uh, outdoor plumbing is uh, dried out and getting ready. There's other things that you should be doing as you get your house ready for these harsh winter months. We'll talk about that next week and in beyond. As we get you ready for winter, we'll talk about the holidays and everything else. For all of our amazing team members working so hard every day to get you ahead of the forecast with the latest and best information. And for our executive producers, Andrew Robb and Ken Perel. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm your host, meteorologist Dean DeVore. Thank you for joining us. This is Everything Under the Sun from AccuWeather.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.